Hi everyone, I'm Adrienne Smith and this is the Messy Progress Podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with Isabel Royer, an advocate for radical inclusion. Simply put, she's an incredible human and I've learned so much from this conversation that I wasn't expecting. I really hope you do too. It's not every day that I wear <laughs> platforms, okay? This celebrates your podcast. Yes. yes. I love it. I first want to say thank you for saying yes to wanting to be a guest on the show, Isabel. Well, of course. I, it's not, nothing that I wouldn't pass up. And congratulations on having your podcast. I'm so excited for you. Thank you. Yeah, it feels, it feels weird to like, I notice that I don't tell people I have a podcast. Like people will be like, what's going on? I'm like, well, this or that. And it's like this thing that I'm like, I'm still figuring it out. I don't know how to do it right. But that's hence the name of the podcast is the Messy Progress Podcast. Um, and so I wanted to reach out to you originally to talk about just straight up, just transgender um, stuff. I'll just use that word. And as I started to, and like, I've known you for a while, we've been roommates when we were at camp yoga and we've done a lot of, you know, yoga programs together and we've just been in the conversation around, we'll we'll just say like an, an elevated conversation. Like, you know, even when, when I've had issues in my personal life, like when we were roommates and we started talking, it wasn't like you were, you were never just going to leave me right there and like go into like gossip mode. It was always like, the world that we live in together is always of elevation. And Absolutely. yes. And and I know that you're that person for other people in your life, not just me, as a teacher and a leader. And um, you know, as as I've gotten to know you and like and I and I say like I've and I've witnessed you, like Hmm. let's say like 40 days to personal revolution program. We both were facilitators digitally for this, this summer, which I don't even know what summer this was. This year. <laughs> and, and I just remember like there, you had like a, I don't know how many people you had sign up for it. And I was just like, man, Isabel is a baller. Like you don't, you don't have your own studio that you run or own or manage, but you have a community of people that, come to be with you on a regular basis to share the practice of yoga and to share community. Um, And I just want to say first, and I've said this to you, I think through text messages, but I just, I'm always really inspired by your ability to show up that way um, and to ask and invite and, um, and hope, hope for people to say yes and and to get elevated in their life because you know what, is possible from kind of waking up more and um yeah yeah Yeah, to to keep inviting them to you know I mean it's it's I've always felt like um my 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 job in anything that I do but even in creating um my school of yoga and leadership that doesn't have a brick and mortar setting, but it operates the same as a studio would. I just partner with people who have locations. And it's, um, I really wanna be the invitation that people always hoped would come, but hadn't yet. Yeah, and I think everybody's actually waiting for that. Exactly, and you just keep inviting them um, until they hopefully say yes, or until, um, you know, someone else, invites them and there's enough, there's enough inviting that they end up coming, you know, and then to say, to be able to say, it's not for me, um, but come try it first. Yeah. And I love that. It's, it's, I don't know what, well, first let me ask you this question. When you ask someone to, let's say, join you for a yoga class, that's never, maybe they haven't experienced you as a yoga teacher what is your most common response that you will get when someone doesn't say yes? Um, that if they say no, it's often because they are not flexible. That's what they would say. Okay. Yeah. And it, one really has nothing to do with the other. Um, and yet it, it doesn't matter. It's their, it's their answer. It's their, um, 
it's what they feel they need to say. And so they just say it and that's okay. Yeah. It's their truth at that moment. It's their truth. And I, I'm not there to validate or invalidate it. I'm like, I'm there to invite them and say, see what happens, you know? Yeah. And now when you're doing the, um, tell me more about, so your leadership program that you have and you, we've talked about this a little bit, I think when we were roommates last year is, um, cause I was intrigued and I'm like, wait a second, you don't have a brick and mortar and you are operating in this way of not only helping, um, not only teaching people how to teach that are saying that they want to just start teaching yoga, yes. but those that do teach. And then also, is it studio owners as well, like helping them? Yeah, just helping people to, um, because the, the, the partnership relationship that exists to, you know, I'm, to have people in, it, invite me as a teacher or that I have a relationship with them where I'm on their schedule regularly, um, I can also bring to them programming that they wouldn't have, um, for example, a 40 days program or something like that, um, or um, train their teaching team. Or if there's an issue that's going on at the studio or where there's an up-leveling that's needed or where there's a specific thing that needs to be addressed by most of the teaching team, sometimes the studio owner will, you know, rope me in and we'll have a meeting, either it's part of their teacher meeting or it's part of um, a workshop series that I'll custom create for them um, to really help address some of the different things um, that's needed, you know, is it... Uh, cueing, anatomy, demoing, um, just how to, a, a way of being or how to um, separate um, your own uh, private yoga business from teaching for other people and how to do that with integrity. Mm. Um, and that's a really important one. Like if you're partnering with someone, it's to be so upfront with what you are up to and what you're not um, and be consistent um, it's the only way to really gain the trust of the people that you hope to partner with. That's great. Cause there is so much of that going on even more now than ever, because we can live in this virtual world where exactly you're not necessarily, yeah, you're teaching from home representing you. And then you might be representing a studio teaching for them. And yet you're on Instagram, Facebook, advertising your own personal classes. Exactly. And yet also, yeah, I, I mean, as a, a studio owner myself, I'm not going to lie that part, sometimes I'm just like, I don't want to be in this business anymore. It's like I spent six years training someone and just wholeheartedly, just, you know, not, like, yes, it benefits the studio when they're better teachers. And then, oh, I don't want to teach anymore. I need a break. And then a week later, they're teaching a free class. And I was like, to all the people that now know them because they were part of my community. And I'm like, did I do something wrong in that? And yet, I don't know. I don't, it, do you see that it's something that takes training for the person that's the teacher as well as the person that's the leader? Like, I know that I have done lots of things messy. And then I'm like, oh, shoot, I didn't get clear on that in the front, up front. And then that's why that happened. And that's, that's been a repeating thing. Um, yeah. But do you see that it's more of like the teacher or this, the leader of the, the group or, you know, could be studio or gym? That's a great question. I think it's both. I think it's both really having a willingness to have the hard conversations. And to speak really straight about what it is you're up to and what it is you're not. So I, um, you know, if as a teacher you want to start um, teaching private clients, um, which I've I've done throughout teaching private uh, uh, public classes, um, and I've never recruited anyone from the studios where I work at. Um, however, if I've been approached. I've said, I've clarified, directed them to the studio. Um, and they said, no, I want a class with a private class with you. And I say, well, great. However, you've approached me in this studio setting and you're part of this community. Let me talk to the owner and um, to be transparent with them. And then I will go from there. And I will, regardless of if it works out or if it doesn't, I will get back to you within like 24 to 48 hours. 
Yeah. And every time I've went to, I've gone to the studio owners and said, I've been approached by this client. They would like to work privately with me. My rate is higher than what you charge. And you know that I don't teach privates for the studio because I have a space. I don't, I don't know. Um, um, it's not needed for me to teach private lessons for the studio specifically. The studio owners 100% of the time said, completely understand. Thank you for telling me. And yes, move forward. Because the other thing is if I feel as though they want to take private lessons with me to then switch over or for me to bring them somewhere else in all integrity, I can't do that. I will do it if I feel as though it will keep them engaged. It'll keep them practicing for them as a practitioner. And my hope is that they will continue to be part of the community um, that they emerge from. Yeah. And that's like being include, like they're there. They yes. like get, get, I, I, the word inclusion is coming up for me because I was reading that of many things that you're about. And it's not like an excluded. It's not like, oh, come do privates with me. And then it's like this exclusive, this and, and, and separate from, but it's actually, no, like I wanted to have you do privates so that we as a group, yes. like all stay connected. Cause otherwise they're, I, I've, I've experienced it here where I live, where it becomes the separate thing where it's like, someone's over there doing that. Someone's over there doing this. And it's like, no, we're actually all on a mission sort of for the same thing, but there's, I don't know, this little eye that's in the way. Well, they're not, exactly. The thing is that they're not mutually exclusive. They're just not. And if a person in your yoga community is dissatisfied and would really benefit from having a one-on-one, -on -one, one class, five classes, three classes, or on a, to get something different, to then get them more engaged and practicing more, not only for themselves, if you're practicing and you're practicing more, you're going to bring friends, you're going to, it's going to be beneficial because you're going to be living your practice in ways that um, potentially you haven't before, mm -hmm. right? So you'll, you'll, you'll be more, um, you know, lit up about it and you'll bring more people. You'll want to practice with your friends and then you'll bring them into the studio. Like it's a win all around. Well, and it's an elevation back to our conversation, you know, first start of the conversation was just like, I like to be around you and have conversations with you because I, I don't actually, I can't stay where I was five seconds ago. Like even just in this conversation, like I've got my woes about stuff that has happened in the past and just, you know, situations. And yet it's like, oh, that's where that place that I didn't, I didn't part, I didn't. I didn't ask enough questions. I didn't get clear enough. That's actually on me and nothing like nothing around it, but it's like, okay, well, what do I want to do going forward? I would love to have more um, like of these kinds of even conversations with my team because it's not something that becomes an issue until it is an issue. It's like, oh, I didn't think about that. It's like, why do we have um, the caution hot on the top of a coffee cup from you know, a to-go mug. It's like, well, because at some point that needed to get included because someone didn't know that they were going to burn themselves. But I think that's from Seinfeld too, right? Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and the other thing is um, for, for a teacher to be able to teach private classes, it's a different, it's a different access. It's something, it's an, it's a different skill to develop. It's same, but different and the attention and the connection that exists there is not the same from a, a, a larger group class. Um, and so you can really zero in on who, not only who is in front of you, but uh, get even more um, of a deeper understanding of the body in front of you because you have more time, you have one-on-one -on -one time. I think it up levels. I think all teachers should, could be encouraged to do that if they wanted to. Um, and it's great because then you have a flexibility in your schedule and things like that. And, you know, makes you a better teacher. Yeah. And I, you know, you, you wrote something on a post that you had on Instagram. This was from sometime last year. And you said, it takes courage to admit that you don't know things. Mm -hmm. I learn new stuff 
every day. And it's in this conversation, it's this being curious. We talk about that in yoga. It's like being, be curious instead of judgmental. And I check, have to check myself all the time where it's like, Oh, right there. Yep. I'm being judgmental. I'm being jealous. I'm being envious. I'm being stubborn. I'm being resistant. I'm there's no space for curiosity when all those things are right there. And, you know, just back to like what I had reached out to originally about is this like topic of transgender, which is um, close to you in your life because you've, you're a mom of a transgender son. Absolutely. Yeah. I have, I have, two boys and um i'm both my husband and i are the very proud parents of both of them and our older son um is transgender yeah yeah and i it's funny because like you know i'm just gonna just for those of you that are listening is like as we got started with this i had asked isabel and i'll ask everyone that's a guest on the show is like there anything that's off limits and my goal as I've been navigating through this is to have the conversation be really natural and unfiltered. And (laughs) I cannot tell you how many times I've put my foot in the mouth, my mouth, not in the mouth, in my own mouth of just asking something or just like, but it's comes from cure. I noticed for myself, it's from curiosity or just naivety or ignorance. Um, Whether it's been a post on social media, like about something that's, you know, going on societally, like there's a lot going on right now. It's always been going on. And yet it's just like, we can see it constantly. And so I, I'm, I'm prefacing this conversation because I, this is what it, to me, it like really looks like to be in the game of messy progress of, um, you know, the gist, the gist of what I know is from conversations I had shared with you is I have a couple friends who are, um, have transgender children. And I though don't know anyone personally that's transgender. And I saw that, you know, you had written something, this was last November. It was, um, that 75% of people don't know anyone that is transgender. Mm -hmm. And so like, you know, I might be walking, I'm in Santa Barbara, I'm walking around and I see someone that like, I'm like, I don't know if, is that a girl or is that a guy? Is there like, there, there's so many layers of like the process is just my own understanding of it. It to change genders is a, it's not, doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. It's well, I mean, if you step back, um, the being transgender, uh, or being in that experience is when, the gender that you were um, assigned at birth, which is typically um, uh, genitalia related, doesn't correspond to the sense of your own gender or how you identify. The sense and, and what, what really is become, has always been evident, but is becoming way more, is that really genitals don't equate gender. Like, your sense of who you are as a human being is not necessarily related to your physicality. Mm-hmm. Your sense of being feminine or masculine or a little bit of both or neither or something on the exterior of that outside of the, of the gender binary, which is male and female, those are all possibilities. And so, and it's not related to the physical body um, necessarily that you were uh, born with or your sex that you were assigned at birth. They're separate. Or just even what's showing on the outside. Yeah, exactly. So like, Absolutely. And that could be, I guess, like, a, I don't want to say just like a lifelong journey. That seems like really cliche, but I'll just use myself, for example. I've shared this with like lots of people is, you know, I, you know me, I'm athletic. I like doing yes. a lot of things. I have two older brothers. I was around boys a lot as a kid. I never seemed to very much get along with the whole like trying to figure out girl relationships. It just didn't seem like it was in my wheelhouse. And whenever I don't have like a softer side of myself, which it does exist. It's just that I 
I own a business. I have to like on the outside, most of the time, look like I have my shit together. And I see that as like a very masculine quality. My husband does not talk to me about how he's feeling like ever. (laughs) And I ask him, like, he'll go for these like super long bike rides. And I'm like, what do you talk to your guy friends about? And I'm like, they they don't stop talking the whole time. But like, they don't know. He doesn't even know if his marriage, this guy's marriage is going well. And I'm like, really? You guys talked for eight. You guys were together for eight hours. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and and part of that is really why everything is so, um, we want to, and I love that the title of your podcast, which is The Messy Progress. And I mean, mess doesn't have to be bad. We often equate mess with bad, but it's human nature to to need to control something and to want to categorize things, right? Put things into neat little boxes and knowing that it's going to be the gender world will be binary. There'll be males and females. And this is what boys do. This is what girls do. And we're conditioned to doing that as well, societally anyway. Um, When you break out of that, or when you see that it's different or that it doesn't quite fit, then it's uncomfortable because you don't really know what it is, but really is, or who, who this person is or how they identify or even if it's on their radar. It's more so that it makes the person witnessing it uncomfortable because they can't fit it into neat little boxes. Mm -hmm. And that's what brings on conversations, questions, things that are inappropriate and oppression, I guess, in some ways, because you can't really see past the, well, there's two boxes, you're not fitting in that. Well, I guess you just don't fit. Yeah. And especially, you know, I even just like, so I am 40. I can recall in going in high school, there was, I think visually what I saw, like what actually was, and you know, who was like out was like, there was only one gay couple in my high school that like was outwardly um, two women. They were outwardly like other women and that was like that was I mean I was that was 20 years ago yes and so it's like that's all that I saw up until like I was 18 mm-hmm. and then so then it's like now that it's becoming this is like a really weird analogy and I don't know why this came up just as, just now but it's like there's a <laughs> there's a lot more people who have peanut allergies right now than ever before And it's like, what's going on in our world that all of a sudden there's more peanut allergies? And it's like, well, maybe they existed all the time before, but it was just like not something that anybody took the time to ask questions about. They tried to quote fix it and with something else. And then, so I guess there's a, there's a part of my like mind that just like kind of thinks of, you know, transgender, um, LBGQT. There's another letter I think on the end now, right? LGBTQ. And you can okay. put LGBTQ plus or LGBTQIA plus. What is that part? Um, for um, intersex, so lesbian, G, gay, B, bisexual, T, transgender, Q, queer, and then uh-huh. plus. You can add a plus at the end and then it includes everyone. Okay, okay, so it's, that's the, the plus is the inclusion part. Okay. And so like, yeah, so 20 years ago, this was not a thing. Like there was, there was no letters that, that I remember at least. I think that it, although it might not be, have been part of um, the environment, it definitely existed. It's existed since, since people have existed. Exactly. That's what I'm saying is like, I wasn't aware of it. And so I never in my mind ever had to categorize anything. It didn't come into um, your awareness. And at the same time, um, it's not that there's more, it's simply that, first of all, there, there's, there's more um, language that can go around it. And there's an acceptance where it's not, um, it doesn't need to be fixed. It's it, um, fixed meaning it's not, it's not a problem. It's not, it's, it's a way of, living your life and really being who you are. 
yeah, and then being accepted for who you are. Exactly. And that's part of really creating um, an environment where that can happen. And to, to, to me, as a, as a parent, um, and just as a, a person who is um, with families and um, with friends, it's the more information or education or normalizing the conversation that there is, um, the, the, the better off everyone is because even, you know, when you just quoted the stat earlier about, you know, seven or eight people still have not encountered in real life, um, a transgender person, that's really telling, um, either they don't know that they are and that's okay. Um, that's totally fine. Um, and at the same time, it's important to demystify, you know, um, part of that is, you know, even when we introduced each other at first, like whenever I teach a class or I introduce myself to anything, um, I'll say my name is Isabel Royer and my pronouns are she, her, and hers. It's part of, instead of saying I work for such and such a company, it's these are my pronouns. And the reason why I do that is not only because it's helpful to do that, um, just to have a conversation where people, whether or not they wonder what my pronouns are, maybe they can, it clarifies it for them, but it also creates a level of comfort for anyone to know that they, um, that I'm a safe person that they can talk to, um, that I really am open to seeing them and listening to them. And it also is part of the conversation for some who may be in a place where this doesn't exist and this conversation is not necessary. We're talking about it at the office, maybe. I'm not into that. I think that that's just something that's not important. And I'm like, I'm sure, for sure, that if you're living in society today, if you have friends, if you have, if you're surrounded with people who have kids, you are going to encounter someone who is transgender um, or gender expansive, um, so that fits outside of um, the gender norm. And it's important that it adds to your life. So expand your universe, right? Mm -hmm. To be able to see and include people. Yeah. When was the first time I get like, I, the thought, well, here, let me say this is I had the thought that, you know, okay, right, right now, none of us are like, quote, hanging out with many people. We're not going to parties and introducing ourselves because we're being responsible adults and staying in our bubbles. To, <laughs> and I, my first thought was put myself into that. I'm going to be, ex I'm going to be inclusive. Yeah. And I want people to know that I'm a safe person. So I think about, yeah, when I introduce myself as a yoga teacher is like the place that I have the access right now to people. For sure. Um, and yet I get a little nervous if I was to like, I just, I could feel like I just got shivers in like my stomach. I'm like, if I was to go up to someone and they're like, Hey, I'm Dan. And I'm like, hi, I'm Adrian. And my pronouns are she, her, hers. Like, it just, it feels like so weird, mm -hmm. like different, um, like I feel exposed. I feel like, I don't know, but I also know that that feeling also comes when I'm being a stand for something that kind of, it feels scary. Yes. Yes. And there are some times where you can totally talk yourself out of it. Like standing at the, at the front of the room or do, and I'm saying the room, the, the yoga room or wherever. And it, it's the dis if you know your actions express your priorities and so if i say that i'm a stand well like this yeah this is this is part of what being a stand is because you know it's it's getting people getting it into the day-to-day -day conversation and it's also turning people on to it so, you know, um, even in Baptist yoga, um, I would struggle to, I would struggle to support any kind of business um, that would not be supportive of, you know, inclusive of everyone. And part of the programs that we do are week-long programs with 
shared accommodations. And so there's a need to be sensitive to how that works um, for people to feel safe and seen and allowed to be who they are and still be able to participate. And um, I, it, I was really committed to working with the Institute to change that or even with some of the studios that I work with, making sure that their mind-body interface, mm. um, when you fill out the information, there's not just the male and female thing that you can check off. It's not male, female, other. There's, there's a few more possibilities that can really be inclusive and demonstrate how you're showing up as a business for people. Yeah, and, and I have to be honest, like the, my first thought is, is like I number one, I'm a hundred percent sure that mine just says male, female. I would have to look to see, I don't even know how to change that. And number three on that is that I'm like, maybe I just want to ask, maybe I just want to ask. Exactly. And that's and, part of the, the, once you know, once the flashlight's on, it's like, Oh, darn. But darn in a, in a good way it's not darn that i would say you know me that wouldn't be the first word out of my mouth but it's like oh but now you know and so what are you going to do about it and so like i will if i have to sign up for something and there's just those two options i'm like hmm yeah no and i close it i close the window it's just not i this is the bus that i'm on i'm on the bus where everyone's included and invited to come and um you know and it's not only because i'm the, the i've been turned on to this my world's been expanded to this of course but it's also 2020 and like that's where the conversation's at mm -hmm. and you're yeah, gonna like get in the conversation people and it's like you can't i just like that my thought is is that you can't turn off the conversation like i go to the beach every wednesday night with friends and we go swimming and we have pizza and hang out and talk and our kids play and stuff. And, um, every week there's some kind of conversation about something. And most commonly lately it's been COVID and just like this rule, that rule, what's going on, schools being open, schools not being open. And, and I sometimes like, I, I sit back a lot of times because I'm just like, I actually don't want to be in that conversation anymore. Like, I cannot do anything about the school's opening. True. And so I'm just going to sit here and I just am going to choose to not engage in that one. And though I want to have like the up-leveled conversation of, yeah, like it would take something like to, you know, I'm just thinking like, oh, and just met some new guy yesterday. And I didn't say that I'm Adrian, she, her, hers, you know, that's, those are my pronouns. But those are the conversations that I want to have. And, and like, sometimes I feel like maybe nobody wants to be around me because those are the only conversations I want to have. Like I want to have the elevated conversations. I don't want to just stay in the scruff and the riffraff of things. That's like, I don't know. It just like, it, that's exhausting. Mm. Yeah. And it also, it, it's exhausting because it doesn't feed part of you that's like needs to be tended to or that a part of you that you want to share or that you want to expand or that you um or, or that you need to share with other people yeah when was the first time do you remember the first time that you like introduced yourself i'm isabel royer and my pronouns are she her hers and and mm -hmm. what happened um well, n n nothing happened. I just did it. And I guess what, like for you, like inside, like, did you have like, inside, oh, doing inside it? it was, um, really, um, uh, being on the edge of the conversation. And, and I will say this, um, because my son and some of his friends have shared this with me. It's like, there's not a whole lot of, you know, cisgender person. So cisgender is when you're the, um, gender you're assigned at birth, sex assigned at birth can, corresponds to um, the gender you identify with. So I am cisgender, I'm a cisgender woman, you are a cisgender woman. Um, and so uh, it's, it's rare that that's part of the conversation because usually it, it could be interpreted as a, 
a telltale sign of, oh, well, she, her, have you ever used other pronouns before? Or that people could ask a question and it's like, well, no, it's as a cisgender person, these are the pronouns that I use. And regardless of what pronouns you use, or if you're questioning the pronouns that you would like to use, or you're on a gender journey, know that I'm a stand for you. That's, that's okay. what it is. And that's happened. I mean, by doing, so standing at the front of the room, it's like a full body sensation of standing on the edge of, I'm going to do something different <laughs> and, and doing it. Yeah. You and, used in your, one of your descriptions on your, I think for your trainings and um, is that you are, you are for radical inclusion. Yes, absolutely. And, and that like standing in that for, and I'm like, I think of like standing in a pause and letting everyone be, you be introduced to everyone in whatever way, like in any format, but it, it is like really receiving, hi, my name is Adrian. My name is Dan. And how many times like, add the pronouns or not add the pronouns. We don't even hear the person's name because we're not receiving them. We're not letting them in, but it's like a, like really being radical in that way. Yeah. And it's a pause and it's also radically including not only everyone around you, but everything in your own experience as well. Mm -hmm. um, and that's part of it's how do I want to show up if I'm if I am of an, if I say that I'm in integrity with who I am and all the things that I do, then that's going to be a part of it. Um, and I'm not going to talk myself out of it, even if I'm nervous or it's uncomfortable. It's like, yeah, I, I, I'm in the beginning I, when I started doing that, I wasn't clear that it was having an, an impact of some sort. Um, I could tell on people's faces, some were, were smiling, some had the blank stare of like, what? Um, and there were um, a, a, a few, like you could tell that that had touched them in a way that would have touched them more than me just saying my name. And over time, what I found is that in doing that consistently, that people who either had questions or people who were questioned, I've had students write me letters after they left the area, the studio, that whatever, and to say, um, I really appreciate you um, just, you bringing some elements of that part of your life to class or to us by your simple introduction, because, um, I don't really know where I stand, where I'm going or what I identify or who I identify as, but I'm, but I'm on my way. So thanks for supporting that. Of all places, I never thought that I would find that support on a, in a class. Yeah. On a and it's so interesting because you, you started out by when I asked you the question about yoga, like what's the one reason people will say they don't do yoga or haven't done yoga. And they say, cause I'm not flexible. And you're like, that actually has nothing to do with it. Mm. And everything that you're talking about with transgender and inclusivity has everything to do with yoga. Mm. I mean, that is yoga. It's the being inclusive, no matter who shows up to class. And it's the, and it's the, the showing up as you are. Um, a big part of, um, I just got shivers. Like I got like my legs, just hairs just stood yeah, as you are with, with all of it, you know, and even when, um, you're talking to, um, a lot of parents who are struggling with, um, acceptance and where, whatever level, wherever, um, their child is on their journey. Cause I work with families who either have young kids or teen kids or even adult children who come out and, um, if their level, wherever their level of acceptance, it, it is where it's at. And they, um, the way that they show up for their child is for their child as they are. And a lot of the languaging that's used is really important. And part of that, the no matter what, has a connotation of perhaps um, that, it may not be ideal, but it's okay. 
rather than, you know, if you tell your little Reese, like, I love you no matter what, or Reese, I love you as you are, it's different. It lands different. Yeah. I can't remember where I was listening to the thing about this. And it was a conversation around exactly what we're talking about. And Mm -hmm. it was the person had just shared that they were um, gay or something. I can't even remember. And the, the parent or whomever they had just shared with, had they said, I love you. And the person was just waiting for what came next. And they were in their head just being like, please don't say no matter what. Please don't say no matter what. And they did. And they're just like, ugh. And they just felt how like, like it was a, like, it's a, I don't want to say like a disappointment, but it kind of lands that way instead of just like, I love you. Because there's no need to add anything else, right? No, my daughter said, I, she's like starting to say, I love you right now. And <laughs> it's really cute. And she'll just be like, I love you, mama. And there's a part of me, to be completely honest, that it's like, well, what made you say that? Like, did I do something to make you love me? Like, there's like an earning that has to happen. And it's like, no, that, that's actually not the case. Like, we can be loved and we should be loved just for who we are. Yeah. And it's really, and it's, it's, um, it, it's the, it's that, that call from within, right. That, you know, that it's unconditional. There are no strings attached to, you don't have to be a certain way. You don't have to. And sometimes in our attempt to encourage or people or to encourage our person and say that, like you'd say that no matter what I've said it, um, and it's more so how do I fine tune it so that it's, it really is um, not as confining or um, just not any kind of negativity or any fixing that's needed. You know, it took a lot of pressure, I think, that I was putting on myself when um, my son came out at first and, and over time too, um, the need to if I felt I needed to fix something, it adds inherent pressure. And it, it, it's, it, to reel myself back in and remind myself nothing needs to be fixed. It's, no, it's nothing, there's nothing to fix here. Yeah, I'm relating to that so much with just everything that's currently occurring. Um, you know, studios close, business is not as great as it had once been. And there is like what you just said about the pressure, like I'm adding the pressure to fix it. Mm. And if I can take the pressure off of fixing it and just allowing it to be what it is, then it creates a space, you know, not to be cheesy, but it's like, it does create a space for possibility. Absolutely. And I mean that, that place of, you, you need to give each person the benefit of possibility, right? The benefit of, well, what, what's possible? And a lot has to do with expectations, right? Expectations are that narrative that you have of how things should be or how things have been. It doesn't mean that they'll continue in that way. And so there's a need to kind of, if you want to step back from that, then you get a chance at possibility. But if you want to stick with what's been going on, what's with that narrative, and you're going to want to perpetuate that, it, it, it doesn't work because it's not real. It's not what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the pressure even is added. Like we're adding the pressure. It's not it, happening. No one's, no one's like, I don't know. No one's expecting me or you, I mean, maybe there, maybe there are, but like, I don't care about those people really. Mm-hmm. Like the, I look at the people that have sent messages, you know, not to, it's not about like this, but it's like, there's all this relatability and this pressure of someone, someone being born a certain way. And then it's like, well, no, they're just born. They're healthy. They're exactly they, that's in in and of itself is a miracle. <clears throat> and then exactly. it's like this extra pressure of like, I don't know. 
you know, the parents, for the love of God, if your kid misses all of second grade, just let it go. Like take the pressure off of like everyone's missing second grade kind of right now. Yeah. And, yeah. and you have a 16 year old who's, you know, engaging in high school, but like engaging in the way that it can be also engaged in right now. And yeah, sure. There's, I think, you know, we could, we could spend a whole nother lifetime on all the other issues that, you know, not being in school is bringing like in a physical school, especially with people who don't have access to someone at home that can help guide them through online learning. And, um, and I also think it's just like, (laughs) what we just said, like, I, I love you exactly where you're at for exactly who you are. Mm -hmm. And like all of the people. (laughs) Yes. And there, there's kind of a need that's, there's, it, I bring it back to, to, to expecting something specific, expectations of this is how it should be, or um, this would um, serve me better, or it would be less uncomfortable, or it would make me feel better. It's like, well, it's not really necessarily about me. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of turn it around. But I, I like what you said about, um, you know, people are born, right? They're born, period. And then they become after the fact, they're born. And so, um, you know, gender is self-determined and it's separate from how you were assigned at birth. And it's also separate from who you choose, who you're attracted to. Maybe I'm supposed to be alone. Maybe I'm supposed to be, I like talking to girls more. Like, I don't like, my husband doesn't even seem sometimes like he talks to me. Does that, but I feel like what you're saying is like, it's like, we're constantly, like, it doesn't even have to be related at all to, in a way, like sexual attraction. It's just more of like who I'm continually becoming you know, I am, I am a wife and I'm a mom and those don't like define me, but they are roles that I play. And like, who do I want to be as that person? Who do I want to keep becoming into? And um, yeah, just like what you said completely, I feel like this is going to be a shifter for me is like taking the pressure off, taking the pressure off of, I don't know what, even like this, you know, I'm having these podcast conversations. It's like, I I said that to myself before we met, I was like, Adrian, just like, don't let it just go how it's going to go. Like there doesn't have to be this, you know, yes, these are the greatest podcasts. And these are like, I listen to these ones because of these people and how they have these conversations. And I'm just, so I'm like, Oh, I got to do all my research. I got to know it all. And then it's like, no, just take the pressure off. And the pressure releases like an opening. And I take the pressure off in my marriage and how like, you know, having date night or not having date night, take the pressure off and like, let my kid watch Daniel Tiger for an hour. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's the, it's that it's exactly that. And it doesn't, it's not that you've given up and that you're not doing the work or that it's not a, one of the areas that you're focusing on, but the pressure inherently cuts off a part of you that is actually needed to make things better or to, to have a shot at having it be extraordinary. Yeah. Right. That's it. It's like Like firing on all cylinders. Yeah. And I think, what would you say for you? um, Just like, when you notice if you do you, like that you get into like a pressure cooker, <laughs> like you, you messaged me when we, when we were coordinating, getting together and you're like college applications, doing this, doing that. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, it's like a world that I'm not in. I'm with a three-year-old. You're with like two grown men in a way, three, <laughs> including your husband. Yes. And um, yeah, moving and taking care of your health and your hands and your dogs. And like you get, you feel pressure at some point what's your, um, and now you don't have a yoga practice as physical because of you had injured your hand is what's your release valve? What's your way, or maybe ask you two questions is what's your way to know that you need to do something other than like keep living into the pressure. 
And then the second part of the question is, what do you do about it? Do you have another two hours? (laughs) I'll say this. Um, there's, there's a, there's a physical feeling to that. Um, I, I'm just tense. And, um, actually you spoke of my hand. One of the gifts of having a, 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 an injury is that the, when, if there's tension and there's stress, it goes straight there. And so I feel it even more. It's almost like the, the alarm that goes ding, ding, ding. Um, so like, what do they say when it rains your bones, people, bones mm-hmm. yeah, you kind of feel it in your bones, but, um, so, but even prior to that, there's tension, there's tension in my body. And there's also, I can't stop my brain. Like I'm just over and over going over the conversation or going over the thing that I'm putting pressure on over and over. And when I get that, it's like I stop and then I go outside. Like outside is my thing. I, the, my favorite is outside. Um, regardless of the weather, I have to say that SoCal weather is sweet. And so it's always sunny and, you know, having some light um, is helpful. Obviously, um, the beach or being in nature, um, those are helpful, super, super helpful. Um, I find meditation is helpful and journaling is helpful. And it's not just like a meditation doesn't necessarily need to happen. You can happen sitting on my meditation seat wherever it's at, but um, it can also be like a a walk in silence. Part of getting my brain to be a little more still, I can't have a sound stimulus. I can't have, there's no music on, there's no, it's just silent and it will be ambient noise. Um, I need that to feel still. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Isabel. You're so welcome. I'm so grateful for you all for listening and for joining in on this conversation and telling your friends about the show. Our goal is to inspire you and everyone into action. Please take a moment to rate the show and share your comments. It helps us get in front of more eyeballs on the podcast channels and ultimately inspire more people to live a life of passion and purpose while allowing for things to be messy. See you next week.